0: This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Centre for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net.
1: The night sky for January 2019. Before I start, I really want to bring your attention to what is probably the greatest highlight of the month, and that is in the pre-dawn sky on January the 21st, between About 4.40 and 5.40, we have a total eclipse of the moon. So let's just hope it's clear that morning. Well, what about the heavens that we see at this time of the year? Well, it's a wonderful skyscape, dominated, of course, by the constellation of Orion the Hunter. If you take the three stars that make up its belt, follow down to the left, you'll come across the brightest star in the sky, which is Sirius, the brightest star in Canis Major. Following those three stars up to the right, you come to the constellation of Taurus the Bull, and the open cluster, the Hyades cluster. In front of that cluster, about halfway between us and it, is the orange star, actually a red giant star, called Aldebaran. If we follow upwards a bit further, we come to the lovely open cluster called the Pleiades. If you take a long exposure photograph, you see it surrounded by some lovely blue nebulosity. It appears that the Pleiades cluster is moving through a cloud of dust, which is scattering the light from the young, very hot blue stars. Up to the left of Orion, we have the constellation of Gemini, with Castor and Pollux, the heads of the heavenly twins. Down to the left of the foot of the uppermost of the twins is a very nice open cluster called M35. High above, we have the star Capella, almost overhead, I suspect, and that's the brightest star in the constellation of Auriga. The Milky Way passes through Auriga, and there's some very nice open clusters that are visible with a small telescope. As the night progresses, Leo the Lion will be rising over in the east. And between Gemini and Leo, there's a further blank area of sky, which contains the constellation of Cancer, the crab. Just above the brightest, the only really bright star in Cancer, is a rather lovely little open cluster called Prisope, M44, the beehive cluster. There's quite a lot to actually see. I do think it's one of the loveliest regions of the sky, the other being the summer constellations of Cygnus the Swan, Lyra the Lyre, and Aquila the Eagle. So let's have a look at the planets. Well, Jupiter, starts a month rising about 5am and brightens from magnitude minus 1.9 as the month progresses, while its angular size increases slightly from about 32 to 33 and 33.5 arc seconds. One of the highlights show how it combines with Venus to give us a lovely view in the east before dawn. Well, Saturn passes behind the Sun on the 2nd of January, so it will not be visible in the pre-dawn eastern sky until around the third week of the month, shining with a magnitude of plus 0.6. With a disk about 15 arc seconds across, and with rings spanning over twice this, it will rise one and a half hours before the sun by month's end. Mercury has just gone through a very nice apparition, and it might still just be glimpsed in the first few days of the month, very low in the southeast, before sunrise shining at magnitude minus 0.4. I suspect you would need binoculars to spot it, as this reduces the background glare from the sun, but look, please do not use them after the sun has risen. Well, Mars, though fading from magnitude plus 0.5 to plus 0.9 magnitudes during the month, it remains prominent in the southern sky after sunset, at an elevation initially of 36 degrees, which increases to 41 degrees during the month, as it moves northeastwards across the constellation of Pisces. If only it could have been at this sort of elevation when closest to the Earth last year. Its angular size falls from 7.5 arc seconds to 6 arc seconds during the month, so I suspect you'll not be able to spot any details on its salmon pink surface. Well, you can't have failed to spot Venus. High in the eastern sky before dawn during December. It actually reaches its greatest elongation west, some 47 degrees away from the sun on the 6th of January. So still dominates the eastern sky, rising some three hours before the sun. It begins the month with a dazzling magnitude of minus 4.6. During January, its angular size reduces from just over 26 to 19 arc seconds. That's as it moves away from the Earth. But at the same time, the percentage of the illuminated disk, which is called its phase, increases from 47% to 62%, which is why the brightness only reduces from minus 4.6 to minus 4.3 magnitudes. Well, finally, what about the highlights? Well, on January 3rd, before dawn, Jupiter can be seen looking southeast, if clear, of course, down below a very thin crescent moon. The red giant star Antares is down to the right of Jupiter. Around the 6th of January, which is around the time of New Moon, there's a chance still of seeing the largest galaxy in our local group, M31 and Andromeda, and perhaps you might find the third largest, which is M33 in Triangulum. And on the Night Sky page, just search Night Sky drodrel, I give you two ways to find Andromeda. One starting from the square of Pegasus, which is setting down towards the west after sunset. And also, if you find Cassiopeia higher up in the sky, the three rightmost stars make a bit of a V, and you just follow that V down to find Andromeda. If you're away from towns and cities, and it's a really dark sky, you still have then a chance of finding M33. That's the third largest galaxy. It's a face-on spiral, and its surface brightness is pretty low, so a dark, transparent sky will be needed to spot it, perhaps using binoculars 8x40, or perhaps 10x50. Follow the two stars that may have got you to M31 from Andromeda back again, and keep going the same direction, sweeping slowly as you go. As you reach the constellation triangulum, you might find it looking like a little piece of tissue paper Stuck on the sky, just a little bit brighter than the sky background. On January the 12th, in the evening, Mars lies above a waxing moon. That should look quite nice. I've mentioned too, on the 21st before dawn, a total eclipse of the moon. On the night sky page I have a chart which actually shows you the times at which the various parts of the eclipse take place as the moon moves into the penumbra, and then from the penumbra into the umbra, and out again at the end. So as I said, it'll be fully eclipsed from 0441 to 0543. And again, let's hope it's clear to allow us to take some nice photographs. On January 31st, just before dawn, a thin crescent moon lies between Jupiter and Venus. You need a low horizon towards the southeast, and then you might be able to see the thin, waning crescent moon, lying with Jupiter on its right and Venus shining brightly on its left. Finally, an object on the moon. This month I've chosen the Hyginus Rill. For some time a debate raged as to whether the craters on the moon were caused by impacts or volcanic activity. We now know that virtually all were caused by impact. But it's thought that the Hyginus crater that lies at the centre of the Hyginus rill may well be volcanic in origin. It is an 11 kilometer wide rimless pit, in contrast with impact craters which have raised rims, and its close association with the rill of the same name associates it with internal lunar events. It is thought that an explosive release of dust and gas created a vacant space below, so the overlying surface collapsed into it, so forming the crater. Well, quite a lot to see, and hopefully, we have some nice, clear nights, and it's not too cold. You'll have a chance to look at some of these lovely things in the heavens this month. Thanks for that, Ian. And for our Southern Hemisphere listeners, here's Haritina Mogashanu with the night sky where you are.
0: Kia from New Zealand. Hi, everyone. We're here at Space Place at Qatar Observatory, holding galactic conversations from the heart of Wellington in the Southern Hemisphere, my favorite place to be, with the music of the amazing Rian Sheehan, our Wellingtonian star composer. I'm Haritina Mogoshano.
2: And I'm Samuel Lesky. Space Place is our historical astronomy icon here in New Zealand, and we are located right at the heart of our capital city.
0: And we're so lucky to be among the capital cities in the world from where you can still see the Milky Way. And this time of the year, we are looking straight into the edge of our galaxy, the Milky Way. And Orion is the main feature out there in the sky.
2: While well, everyone in the Northern Hemisphere celebrates through the midwinter festivities, here in the South, we have the longest days and the shortest nights while roasting in sunshine. Well, most of the time. We have to wait all the way to 9pm for the sun to set.
0: There is one planet visible with the naked eye in the early night sky, Mars, but if you're an early riser you're in luck, all the other naked eye planets are in the morning sky.
2: As for deep sky objects, the month is perfect for observing Orion and some of the objects from the northern hemisphere that sit below Orion in the southern sky, such as the fabulous Rosette Nebula and the elusive M74 galaxy.
0: Back to the South Celestial Region, the Magellanic Clouds and some awesome circumpolar objects are here. Check out our videos on how to find them on Milky Way Kiwi.
2: And did you know that this time of the year you can see the brightest, the second brightest and the third brightest star in the sky from here in Wellington?
0: Yeah, that's one of my favourite things to observe this time of the year. So here's what you need to do. If you have a solar telescope, you can admire a very quiet sun. Almost no spots adorn the sun, but we will be watching it closely to see if any appear.
2: Watch for the moon. It's new on the first Sunday of the month, which means that it's a good week for deep sky observations. And full on the third week, the 21st of January.
0: You must wake up very early in the morning to see the other planets, which are mostly in the morning sky, so if you're a morning person, then you're in for a show. Venus, Jupiter and Mercury are all visible in the morning sky as well as the Moon in the first week of the month and Saturn towards the end of the month.
2: You can wake up as early as 3.30 for Venus, and Jupiter is rising up every morning earlier, so it catches up with Venus around the 22nd when they will rise together. And then Jupiter will move higher than Venus. Saturn will be rising around 4.30 in the morning at the end of the month.
0: So who said the night sky was only for the night owls?
2: But what is there left for the night owls if everything is in the morning sky?
0: Mars. Mars is still in the evening sky. Although we will need to wait until 9pm when the sun sets and then look northwest. Mars is still bright so it should be easy to spot and seeing to the naked eye to the left of Mars is Neptune and to the right is Uranus. Uranus is 19 astronomical units from the Sun that is 162 light minutes away. Although you can see Uranus which has a visual magnitude of 5.8 with the naked eye from a very dark place, for Neptune you will definitely need a telescope. Both are beautiful with a bluish tint.
2: I really like this time of year as it's the time when we can observe the brightest stars in the sky as here we are so lucky to see the first three of them in order of magnitude.
0: So, Sirius the Dog Star, which is the brightest star in the entire sky. Canopus, I call it the Cat Star, as every respectable astronomer here in New Zealand who has a cat calls it Canopus. I had one too. This is the second brightest in the sky. And Alpha Centauri, the third brightest star, actually a star system which contains our closest neighbor Proxima, which being a red dwarf we cannot see with the naked eye, but we know it's there. To see all these stars all you have to do is to follow the path of the Milky Way from Orion to the Southern Cross.
2: Our galaxy intersects the path of the ecliptic in Taurus and Gemini which are neighboring Orion and in Scorpius and Sagittarius which are opposite Orion in the sky. Since the Sun is in Sagittarius this month we obviously cannot see that constellation
0: so, because this time of the year there are many distinctive bright stars in the night sky, I call it the season of the shining ones.
2: Now, about gastronomy. New Zealand has lots of pots and pans in the night sky, fishes and squids and other marine creatures.
0: The most famous of all is the pot, also known as Orion's Belt. The pot is made by the three stars of Orion's Belt and the handle is Orion's sword. Very famous constellation here, or asterism if we are to be correct. Down on the wake of the Milky Way is the other spectacular but perhaps less famous as it was just invented by kids in Christchurch a few years ago and I just so happened to know as they came to one of my planetarium shows and told me about it. This is the celestial frying pan. Imagine the handle is made by the two pointers of the Southern Cross, Hadar and Alpha Centauri, and the pan itself is made of the other bright stars of Centaurus, Birdun, Muli Fine and Delta Centauri. Now, with a bit of imagination, the frying pan can be extended to a walk, as the stars Birdun and Muli Fine make a beautiful triangle with Omega Centauri. Now, in the frying pan slash walk, you have the fish in the shape of the Saturn cross and Māori called the dark patch that we know as the jewel box, they call it the flounder. So you have the fish and the flounder in the frying pan.
2: So not only are there pans and pots in the southern sky, but there are also crosses. There's the Southern Cross, the Diamond Cross, and the False Cross. And these are like official asterisms. That is, if you ignore the fact that every combination of four stars can look like a cross. The great thing about them is that they are teeming with amazing deep sky objects, such as the famous Jewel box open cluster near the Southern Cross. Two favourites of ours are the star clusters Omicron Valorum, and NGC 2516, right close to the False Cross region. NGC 2516 is next to Avior, and Omicron Valorum is next to the star Delta Velorum.
0: So these are open cluster of stars, but also talking about the globular cluster of stars, Omega Centauri, we must mention that here in the Southern Hemisphere there are two monster globular clusters, Tukane 47 and Omega Centauri. Omega Centauri is an amazing sight in the eyepiece as it fills the eye with millions of stars.
2: Astronomers think that Omega Centauri is the centre of a galaxy captured by the Milky Way, with its outer stars now assimilated into our own galaxy.
0: The other southern highlight for 47 Tucana is a beautiful object in the eyepiece as well. It's a very bright globular cluster and can be seen with the naked eye, though not from the middle of Wellington.
2: The Milky Way isn't the only galaxy with globular clusters. Most galaxies seem to have a bunch of them. Next door in Andromeda, there are around 500 so far observed, and the huge galaxy M87 may have around 13,000 of them.
0: So when the moon is out and you can't go galaxy hunting with your telescope, don't forget that globular clusters make for fantastic viewing and can give you a really rewarding view of these objects that are orbiting our galaxy.
2: And also remember, it doesn't really matter what you call the stars as long as you can remember where they are.
0: May you enjoy the beginning of another happy rotation around the sun. I'm Haritina Mogoshanu.
2: And I'm Sam Liske.
0: And we are Milky the Way Kiwi, Kiwi at, at Space, Space Place, Place at Carter, Carter Observatory, Observatory in New Zealand, England. Southern Hemisphere, with the January podcast, the Southern Hemisphere section for the Jodcast. Thank you.
2: Clear skies.